Hi, thanks for listening. This is part two of a two-part conversation on the middle class and suburbia. Uh, We hope you had a chance to catch the first installment of the discussion, but if not, we think this one stands on its own. Hope you enjoy it. So, and, and I want to I want to just contextualize this a little bit more for for listeners uh, to to get the sense of the sort of how tragic well not tragic but that's putting a, too fine a point on it but how demoralizing the situation was for me initially because mm. literally living in the South Bronx I had to have a conversation with the guy again business directly across the street from me but this time it was during the day they would put speakers out on the street put spe- and blast music mm-hmm. and <laughs> i had to talk to them i i swear to you that i uh, and i did this i so i went over there and i spoke to them and they said they'd turn it down went over and spoke to them again i think i spoke to them like three times and i was like look dude i'm across the street like i i write during the day you can't do this and he's like blah 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 we'll, we'll turn it down and then go back up i probably filled out it was a, i had to do this or yeah the easiest way to do this i didn't have to do it this way but the easiest way to, to uh, alert the police was to um use the online form i think there's a 311 or Three one one thing you can do online to alert mm-hmm. the um, local precinct to noise violations, and uh, so I, I probably did that. I would say some total of thirty times. So it probably took around six to eight months for someone to finally, for the cops to finally say, "Look, you can't do this anymore," and then they stopped doing it. But it took mm-hmm. that long, and I was mm-hmm. literally misery for me some days. So I wake up, yeah. mm-hmm. go to my desk, try to get some work done, and I'm hearing this music coming from the other side of the road, and I'm like, oh, "This is just ridiculous." And then, on top of that. That's during the day. At night, I had to deal with upstairs neighbors, right? And, and so same in my building, like just rocking the music at like 10, 11, 12 at night. I mean, and, and just most of the time, just not knowing what apartment is coming from. So not even being able to go into a knock on anybody's door. I think I, years ago, I tried to because there was one, there was one time where they were have, their music was going like three o'clock in the morning. I was like, this is ridiculous. Come on. Um, but most of the time I just didn't know whose door to knock on. So I just kind of like suffered through it. So literally it was years of dealing with that. And I'm finally like, when I got to Newburgh, I was like, okay, finally place that's quiet. And I actually made sure that when I spoke to the person who showed me this apartment, uh-huh. I asked, I asked mm-hmm. him, I said, okay, so what's the neighborhood like? Is, is it mm-hmm. quiet? It's very important for me that it be quiet because I got to get work done. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And like business is on the other side, Broadway, no, and blah, blah. I was like, okay. So this is, so this is like, this is the context in which like this, this yeah. shit happens. So I'm like, come on, man, really? I I hate it that it's happening to you, like Travis said, you know, because here you are with your new place, your 12 windows, right? 12 windows? Um, Yeah, 11, 11 or 12, I think, yeah. I think I love 12. I'm going to say 12. Mm. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For my story to make sense to me, because I like things in threes. Um, Uh So, but that you have to experience that because, again, you're moving to some place to do better. We'll have part of your history as well, like Travis, and I've seen you on 
Lawrence's couch. I've seen you mm, struggle mm. and, you know, work your way through this and through like emotion. It's it, it's funny when people think that, oh, now you've gotten a place. Everything's great. And it's like, mm-hmm. I live in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. It's loud. And the people across the street from me play their music loud. And they really have no reason to. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, it's like, oh, we can still play our music, but everybody doesn't have to hear it. <laughs> Which is right. always my question. Why in the fuck do I have to hear your music? Right. Head, headphones. Right. Headphones. headphones. But right. it's a new headphones. thing from the last 10 years with Bluetooth. Yes. There yes. are so many more people walking around outside with the boombox or with the speaker. Yeah. And then sometimes yeah. I'm seeing it like older men like living out there. I guess they're 80s. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, 1980s. I'm not sure what's going <laughs> right, right, on. Right, right. But I go something on the inside because I grew up in a household where we were told to be quiet all the time. Mm. So I'm quiet. I'm on the third floor mm. of almost every apartment building I can be on. Because mm. <laughs> I don't want anyone mm. on top of me. I don't mm. want it. And mm. then Carlo doesn't want, didn't want anyone to rob us. Mm-hmm. Make an effort. Rob us, but make an effort. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to acknowledge that. But it's the sound thing. I just never knew how much sound impacted my life. Not just mm. as music, but just... When someone's yelling outside, I'm like, well, who's, what's going on? What's, you know, mm-hmm, um, you know, mm-hmm. PTSD, blah, 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 I'm shooting, you know, I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just having a peace of mind, like a, we were talking about COVID-19. I'm sorry, I don't know, I'll, I'm definitely disconnected to neighborhoods. So it was quiet, remember in March, it was quiet in April, mm-hmm, at least in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was a little bit louder, you know, there's a little bit of rumblings, June. Mm. Was like everybody was out on the street with or without a mask, and music mm-hmm. was playing, and it was and not fireworks. Just, and fireworks, right? Right after Memorial mm-hmm. Day, fireworks, mm-hmm. fireworks, fireworks. Mm-hmm. There was this barrage of sound that felt such like, such like an imposition, and not to mention police sirens, ambulances, fire trucks, and just your person walking down the street ta- yelling mm-hmm. for whatever the fuck reason, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, sound is something else. It's really mm-hmm. powerful for I think for us um, and people like us that really cultivate and uh, are nurtured by an interior life that that we're probably more sensitive than most people mm-hmm. around I- issues of noise. I mean, not only I mean obviously there's noise ordinances for a reason. People move to the suburbs for a reason. I don't mean that we're unique in that way, but I mean that because because of the kind of work and just sort of general comportment, the work that we do and the general comportment that we have, mm-hmm. um, we are particularly sensitive to, you know, other people living very loudly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and the thing that, you know, the real, the real bind in your situation and in our current national situation is there, I mean, it is i would just say it is flat better to have an institution that is dispassionate whose job is to diffuse conflict mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to beca- because because you are surrounded by strangers mm-hmm. right you do not know you're right. we it's not the 1920s Absolutely. And, and and thank god it's not the i know people always t- i mean i know no one here would feel that way but like all of these like ideas of nostalgia in the 50s and the 40s like mm-hmm. yeah nostalgia for like a very tiny like little microcosm of humans in the united states for most of the pe- for most of the people in this country it fucking sucked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm. that the blending of cultures and people is is an unqualified positive good thing. Mm-hmm. But to have some kind of institution that 
whose whose job it is is to Im- impose themselves to slide in between conflicting parties mm-hmm. to de-escalate a situation mm-hmm. is is indispensable like mm-hmm. the idea that you could do without that force and mm. that that force would have to because of the variety of peoples we are surrounded by mm-hmm. would have to have recourse to violence sometimes mm. is to believe that you could live in a world without that is a sheer fantasy yeah. it's just a fantasy yeah. like your your small moment of like this you know potential threat that yeah. you know mm-hmm. with this person across the street like you have no idea who or what that person is capable of now exactly. most likely nothing because most people jaw and they talk and bark. they yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. they bark and they posture whatever right. and that and that's how, that is most interactions for sure right but it's not all of them right and of course you you have to be concerned about the other unusual but catastrophic result mm-hmm. that can come from that kind of confrontation and there was a kind of not not kind of there was a type of courage in you going out and trying to yeah. interact with that person on your own without mm-hmm. calling the police or whatever yeah. but if we reach a point in this and I'll, I'll Stevens about to say something uh-huh. If we're at a point in this country where where people are under the impression or a certain set of people with a certain set of politics are under the impression that you can never appeal to the authorities to help you de-escalate a situation, violence will increase exactly. in the United States. It will. It's going to go up. Exactly. Now, it, crime is going to – like it's going to be a – a, a problem and then you're gonna and then there's gonna be a backlash mm-hmm. uh, to that yeah. so I'm sorry Stephen you're oh no 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 I'm glad you finished your thought because I um, wanted to hear it one but also I feel like your, your point about the government being <laughs> you didn't say it directly but it's not it's 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 inflamed with a certain kind of we're right, they're wrong, fake news, mm-hmm. fake news, all this kind of nonsense, whatever. And in, mm-hmm. in times, Trump has encouraged violence at his mm-hmm. rallies yeah, yeah, or just absolutely. with other people. Absolutely. It's just been very, very straightforward with that. And so I don't I, – and, and this is clear, I think, to all of us and the listeners as well, is that violence never goes away necessarily, but you mm-hmm. can – you know, de-escalate, you can do a number of things to not always arrive at, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. But our right. culture, our cultural products don't help. Yeah. I mean, how many fucking superhero movies does one need? Really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> does one really need? <laughs> Particularly if they're cut out of the same sort of, no matter, you just put the woman there. Yes. And, yes. there and, 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 yes. and so what I think is interesting about this moment around violence and crime and so forth in the language of de- um, defunding the police or whatever is that people aren't really looking at violence for what it is. It's like, it's a, it could be in you, it could be in me, it could be in any of us. Mm-hmm. But we often say it's happening over there. Like, what mm-hmm. if Seth went over there and this guy just happened to say something or move on Seth in a way where Seth threw the first punch to knock mm-hmm. this motherfucker out because he mm-hmm. felt threatened? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like this motherfucker did this. Mm -hmm. I'm very much more interested in exploring the psychology or the things that kind of bring us to this point. So there's so Mm -hmm. we're so much more aware of them. Mm -hmm. We still think in hero, hero Mm -hmm. narratives. Mm -hmm. I went over there. I told him and then he came at me and I knocked him out. Yay, Seth. That's Mm -hmm. not the only story here. 
And right. so reducing with earlier on when you were saying that we we really do minimize the not minimize but we reduce these things to a good bad kind of narrative. Yeah. It doesn't serve anybody. Agreed. It doesn't serve no. anyone. And but it's a shorthand for not doing the work. It's very easy not to do the work. Right. It's not easy. So anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the superhero movie thing is a great uh, observation, I think, because, you know, the superhero requires sort of a supernumerary violence, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like yeah. it, it's not it's not just institutional violence. It's not just it's not, you know, the violence of kind of the accepted powers. You actually need something that can that that can be imposed over the or in place of the ineptitude mm-hmm. of the regular cops, you know, the regular people, you know, on the ground. Right. And, and, you know, you get a lot, it's unfortunate that the, well, I guess maybe unfortunate is the wrong, uh, uh, is the wrong description of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is definitely a rallying cry of the kind of respectable, conservative right mm-hmm, so not mm-hmm. not the tr- trump conservative but the respectable uh, respectable conservative to talk about the value of institutions mm. and and that you know losing faith in institutions has you know serious consequences and, and the mm-hmm. rest of that and and they're right and then but the piece that that often gets left out of their critique and and i know that we've obviously talked about a lot on the podcast and in private conversation is that there is a reason that people have lost faith Absolutely. in institutions. There, there, there is a reason that that has happened. Yep. And, and or lost the faith or never had the faith in those institutions yeah, oh, yeah, from jail. Yeah, yeah, ab- right. yeah absolutely, absolutely, right. Absolutely. Generations of people that mm-hmm. just knew reflexively, like, I mean, not to call the police. Right. I mean, not to actually, trust them. In, that, in that way, I mean, there's a real sign of progress. I mean, you are a, a Jamaican immigrant who feels comfortable picking up the phone to call the police mm-hmm. for a noise complaint. Mm-hmm. Forty years ago, I don't think so. Right? right? I mean, that's right. not. Right. That's probably not the kind of interaction that you're having with the police. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So there is a like kind of a weird, you know, so, not weird, but there is a, a a particular point of view on the interaction that can see it as a kind of progress that you actually feel like you have a right. To institutional protections, and that's the, interesting. I wanted to say something about that earlier. Please don't lose please, your thought, Travis. And this is the idea that one has the agency and the right for their mm-hmm. space to be mm-hmm. comfortable, to mm-hmm. be noise free, relatively mm-hmm. noise free, mm-hmm. and still live in a society. So, like that idea of having the right. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that guy thought. The guy that you, your neighbor mm-hmm. was thinking mm-hmm. about rights mm-hmm. and this idea of agency. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I think we devolve to, or I wouldn't even say devolve, because some people just come out of that kind of sensibility, which is mm-hmm. violence solves everything. <laughs> right. So why are we right. even acting like we should be kind to each other? Because if you come in my neighborhood, I'm going to kick your ass. Right. And it's more than just because I've lived in poor white neighborhoods as well. So it's not a, mm. a race thing to me. It's a class thing. Agreed. It definitely is. It's a class absolutely. Thing. That's, that, that's, no, absolutely. A, that's definitely, it's not a race thing. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> but here's, here's a sort of interest uh, or uh, uh, intriguing um, uh, aspect to this. On my lease, which I signed on the 6th mm. electronically, mm-hmm. uh, right outside the doors of Fidelity Investments on Broadway, on my lease there's a clause that says that I have a right to pe- live in peace and quiet. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever signed a lease like that. I need to go look at my own leases. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> and I think it, it's it's more in reference to 
dealing with the neighbors I have in this building and my landlord, but it's something, it says something along the lines of landlord shall not, you know, impose any restrictions or cause blah, blah, blah to happen to you. And you have a right to live in peace and quiet. And I'm like, that's, Mm. that sounds right on to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing it's, I don't, so there's a reasons that pe- that people have lost uh, faith in institutions. We understand mm-hmm. that there are historical reasons for it. There are reasons why people never have had faith in institutions, mm-hmm. and that that goes generations deep. I, I, so I think we're on the same page with all of that. At the same time, you know, John Lewis just died. Mm-hmm. John Lewis sat in state, mm-hmm. right? I mean, actually, mm-hmm. John Lewis's funeral was attended by world leaders. Mm-hmm you know, from around the world, Mm. John Lewis is hailed as a hero. I'm not saying his work is done. His work is definitely not done. But to say, but, but for the dominant narrative in the country to be right now, that racism is as bad as it has ever been. It's and not that true. Yeah, that's not true. It's just, it's so, f- now, I understand that oftentimes mm. that is not said explicitly, but that is absolutely the tenor of the conversation that's the temperature in the room mm. that you could you couldn't brook any any mention of the progresses that have been made mm-hmm. because it doesn't at least on our side of the table mm-hmm. To say that there has been progress does not mean that more progress does not need to be made. Right. But see, I think that but, that's what people think, though, and that's why I think you get the reactions that you do from people, and yeah. they don't know. Right. I <laughs> see. I they actually don't think. Know. I think the reason that you get that reaction is because people don't actually want to do the work right now because the work mm. is way fucking harder than they think it is. Than putting a BLM no. sticker. Agreed. Or or or, or blacking painting. out. Yeah. Your, or, yeah. Or mm-hmm. like it is the work. Like that was the work in in sixty two. Right. Right. I mean, to say that I could eat at the lunch counter. I mean, that was that work. Like it was a big, ugly, scary, multi headed mm-hmm. hydra mm-hmm. Yeah. that was being confronted by John Lewis and all mm-hmm. those people. Mm-hmm. That's not what it looks like anymore. It's a little worm, mm-hmm. and and there is no big battle to be fought anymore. The bi- the battles are all are. Our guerrilla warfare, well, which I'm not is sure again, if that's not true. But go ahead, because I want to understand if it's not a hydra anymore. Because it feels like a hydra to me. It's a different kind of hydra. Yeah, so, yeah, and I know behind. my metaphor got all mixed up. Yeah, my, I, I, I realized <laughs> yeah. the hydra thing. I was like, ah, I should have picked another mythological monster <laughs> because, because the hydra has because, multi- I, because I, I do, I do think that it's, <laughs> a gorgon would have been good. Yeah, I do think that it's still a beast, and I think, but I think what happens is the beast shows up in different aspects, right? So you have yeah. gerrymandered districts. You have a Supreme oh, yes. Court that. Oh, yeah. That rules that corporations are people. You have mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you have um, police departments that actually say whose uh, whose sheriffs um, actually say that they're going to disregard a lawful mandate from the governor of their own state yes. for people to wear masks, and they're going to go around and say, "Well, you don't have to do that in my jurisdiction." Like, there's ways in which. This beast shows up, right? So the work yeah, is different. Yeah, I, I appreciate the correction. Yeah. Right. No, no, mm-hmm. I appreciate the correction. You're absolutely right, and that is much closer to what I meant. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, because you can draw a straight line to, you know, sort of like the conservative stance against taxes is a direct line to like what do you call them? Like the the pig laws or whatever. Like the the mm-hmm. ways that they used laws in the South to 
disenfranchise uh, black voters right. and right. the ways mm-hmm. that you or that you that you took away the ability for uh, black owned businesses to compete with white businesses. Right. So, so th- there's a direct defunding, you know, like excessive spending at the urban level is all about, about racial codes. codes. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, oh yeah. it's racial codes. So, so I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's a but that's a really hard one to fight because that means like that that means getting involved in politics. That Precisely. means that's right. a generational struggle. Precisely. On not a very glamorous level. Right. Right? I mean it's it's mm. it's local. It's it's hard fought mm-hmm, it, because mm-hmm. it's uneven, right? The, it, not every police department in this country has the same sort of racist policing tactics. Right. They just don't. They're right. not all the same. Right. And some of them are really bad. Some of them are pretty good. Right. I'm sorry, Stephen. No, no. And you mentioned it earlier. I, I always feel like, and I think it's a really valid point that you make, not to let the nuance be lost on generation to generation when it comes to racism or sexism or homophobia or class. Sure, sure. And so I appreciate right. that. I do appreciate it. It makes me think deeper and more compassionately. And now this is stuff that we learned in college, you know, around race, around class, around gender and what have you. And those things were useful, but that was the 80s, right? And so mm. when I come into this moment, I go, I really have to be super, super thoughtful about not being knee jerk. And it is not easy mm, because is. some things look like that. I'm like, that shit looks like that. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And and I don't have time to take a class. I don't have time to nuance this because that looks like this. But you, I do have to take time to do that. I do have to take time because I want to respect, for example, the experiences of my great grandmother versus my own experience. Very mm-hmm. different experiences. We might be dealing with the same hydra, but there's a different... Like you said, it's much more, okay, and you mentioned all these things, and I was thinking, yeah, and corporations um, and monopolies, and how does one even like disengage and still be a productive citizen mm-hmm. by not being a subject of all the, I have to go to Whole Foods, I want delicious food, I have to do this, I'm a Amazon, I am this, and not have the choices right. that freedom, my notion of freedom is give me the option to choose, mm. not layering it under, you do have the option to choose when you really don't. You know, mm-hmm. that's what bothers me about this argument of freedom and how people use it to say, I want to wear a mask or I don't want to wear a mask. That's just freedom fries yeah. freedom. That's just a really awesome, yeah. really bizarro. I'm going to go here and I'm not going to wear a mask and you can't tell me. Well, if you go in the store and the store says no shoot, no service, no shirt, no service. I mean, shoes or service, no mask. You, just, I, I, I don't even think about it. I'll put on my mask, of course. Mm, yeah, yeah. So when people think of freedom that way, I find it like I go, wow, we just, <laughs> this is way past my death, your death, your children's death, all those deaths, because it is, it is a generational fight. It's definitely a fight, but it's a good fight because the options aren't tenable. Mm. It is, but I, you know, I, you know. One of the things that Obama had said in in Lewis's uh, eulogy, eulogy, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, you know that it, it's it's easy to to just see our position and look back and go, well, yeah, it was inevitable, right? We're here, we are. Mm-hmm. Like you know, things things got better. You know, th- like when he was describing like. Mm. Like Lewis getting on the bus, he's like 20 years old and like, right, there were no cameras or smartphones. There was no Mm -hmm. attention Two black kids on a bus in the deep South to try and undo, 
you know, generations right, of, right. of racial oppression. Like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, like the, the kind of courage yeah. and, mm-hmm. and just sort of like beautiful naivete yeah. of someone to yeah. engage in that fight is, um, it's, it actually makes me tear up, like yeah. to think about like mm-hmm. that kind of courage. And so, but, but we can make wrong turns mm-hmm. and we have made wrong turns. And I feel like we are in danger of making a wrong turn Agreed. right now in the kind of rhetoric we're talking in the, in the ways that we are trying to do battle with this multi-headed beast mm-hmm. and the ways that we are trying to undo the kind of structural racism that still exists in this country mm-hmm. um, and globally and other forms. Like, I feel like we are making a tactical error and I will give you a, a concrete example of, of, of why I think there is a better version. So my son, Dean is seven years old and he, in his class, he, he does, there's, there's only one, or there's two black kids in the whole class. Well, in his old classroom, mm-hmm. two black kids in the whole classroom. Um, and in a class Dean of how, to, about how many kids? Uh, it's about 20, 25 uh, okay. or whatever. Okay. So, um, and w- the one uh, girl's name who I won't uh, give uh, is um, she is one grade ahead of him. And he was telling my wife and I about this girl. And the way he described her was the girl with the fancy hair because she had like these really well done like cornrows and you know, uh, beads and the mm-hmm. cornrows. I mean, so like and that was his way of describing her. Oh, it's the girl with the fancy hair. Yeah. And and not. It's hard for you. Now, I am not one to go to make an argument for, uh, you know, sort of childhood innocence or any of this kind of stuff, because I think like you, you get smarter, you leave your innocence behind. There's a reason for that. Right, but that right. being said, right. you would be hard pressed to convince me that that way of interacting with difference is not better right. than this, than, than black and white and this emphasis on yeah. and shorthand reference to years of discrimination and hierarchies built on the notion, on the bullshit, fantas- fantastical, erroneous idea that the color of our skin has anything to do with who we are. Right. And and I don't know how you undo that 400 years, right? 17th right. century to today. Right. I don't know how you do that mm. by emphasizing it. Right. I I, mm. I don't I don't know what the next move is. Right. How do I and it, how do I if I am identified as white? Mm. How do I feel good about that? Right. How is it possible for me in 2020? To express pride in pride in a, no, I'm saying in a social identity, not for me. I'm not worried about myself. Right, right, right. No, no, I'm not speaking I'm saying about other you. white people. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking that even okay, because I because I've been wrestling with this conversation for a while, off and on about emphasizing race or emphasizing race specifically and color skin and all that. And I think mm-hmm. that everybody has work to do around that. That it can't be the reason why someone can't rent an apartment here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, it makes me think of what Dean said about the girl with the fancy hair. Okay. Now, is the girl with the fancy hair an asshole? Is she nice? What, what is she? Right. Then, She's very sweet. Right. And then, oh, no, no, of course not. I'm just thinking about her, you know, <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. when we start to get into people's personalities, that's where I, I'd prefer to be, you know, and that's why I think it's really useful. But mm, the yes, I'm going to come, keep coming back to this because I don't 
know if it's what you think it is in terms of the 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 turn and I'm going to continue to work on this because something in it it it's not the rainbow coalition and it's not the melting pot it's it's that we've never ever given ourselves an opportunity to really appreciate people for for the things that they do and are Mm-hmm. They are right, rather than just go. Travis is a white guy. I don't trust him. I'm not going to, uh, you know, reveal mm-hmm. myself in front of him because I don't know he might come and take my house. That there's mm-hmm. just nonsense <laughs> in that, right? But the other stuff, I have some questions about. But keep going. Yeah. Well, so I, let me. I'll I'll go to the, to a question. So let's mm-hmm. leave let's leave you and I and Seth out of it for a second. Let's let's throw the guy across the street in or other and other various men and women. Mm-hmm. That do not have a robust, and we're making presumptions. So he's a straw man, but I'm going to assume that he does not have the same sort of needs for like kind of quiet introspection, right? Based on based on the shorthand that we have mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there are people in the world like that. Whether he maybe he was just a bad day for him, but mm-hmm. clearly there are people in the world like mm-hmm. that. How how are we building a sociocultural architecture that is going to make room for? The person who identifies as white feeling good about that because mm. there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to say them because I don't identify with that. I mean, I just I think there is no profit in that social identification. Mm. We are we're, we are moving towards a world which you in which in which you can very loudly and proudly like declare yourself black with a capital B. And mm-hmm. we might get to a point where you can declare yourself brown or yellow with capital B's and Y's, mm-hmm. but you cannot right now in 2020 and culture that I would care about mm-hmm. declare and be proud to be white with a capital W. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you are doing is you are forcing quote unquote white people into the backwoods, into the out into mm-hmm. the wilderness mm-hmm. in which hate and resentment breeds yes. and is armed. Yes. So how tell me how you get out of that. Well, tell me where where's the turn? <laughs> in before I, the capital B though, in before that. <laughs> there were always these so I'm curious about yeah, you know, go ahead Seth cuz it's in my head but it hasn't taken shape yet. It's just sort of like Well, you know, I think yeah, well, what I, what I, what I keep thinking about throughout this conversation is how this moment and it's there's something kind of I want to say Baldwinian about it. That this moment of interaction between these two strangers, right? The person who just moved into the neighborhood and the person who's been here mm-hmm. for however long is such a confluence of all these things of masculinity, performative masculinity, toxic masculinity, hyper masculinity. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a confluence of class distinction and class conflict. Right. It is a confluence mm-hmm. of um the sort of new person coming in with a whole bunch of um, sense of rights, like a right to peace and quiet and a right to mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. And, and the person who's been here for a time who doesn't necessarily have the same notion of having that kind of agency or a notion of rights for anybody else in the, in, in the, in the community in, in which he sees himself a part of, of which he sees himself a part. A, a part. Um, mm-hmm. It's a confluence of these larger issues of whether policing is useful ultimately to us and in what ways a police force is useful and for whom it is useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, it's all of these things. And, 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 and I think where we ended up is, uh, at least in the last few minutes, is, is, 
It's in this place where, and I can hear it in Travis's voice, there's a kind of desperation for, for an answer to that, uh, that question of what are our options? I mean, if mm-hmm. we are going to demonize mm-hmm. a certain sector of our culture, right. rather historically associated with systems of oppression, that many-headed mm-hmm. hydra, right? If we are going to do that, and by extension, that's kind of what we're part of what's happening with the calls for defunding the police is it is essentially it's piggybacking a call mm-hmm. for let's put let's let's put white people in the backwards where they belong right to mm-hmm. some extent uh, um, yeah some of it's just it's accountability it. some of, no i agree right. no agree right. no it's, it's, I heard it's compli- you. i just want to say yeah, no you did this and no. be accountable for this absolutely right. that's part of it too but are we talking about being people being accountable no you, no you're no, ta- you're, no right no right but, systems but, and people no no i mm-hmm. no i'm Say, right, no, I'm saying, but not every system is the same. Not every police force is a, a racist. No, 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 no. Thing. I got that, and then they wouldn't be held accountable. But I mean, it did. So, but they are. But so, but that is what's happening, though. Like the the call to defund the police is a national movement. No, it is, and it had, it was that before this moment, right? So mm-hmm. there are always that that was already already going on. But I, see, I, the generalization of it is problematic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. At the at the basic level, it really is the the moment of um, George Floyd. It really is a moment between um, Seth and this guy. It's that interaction, what it could be, what it could turn into, mm. um, and that's what we're, that's what I think some people are focusing on. I think they're always going to get people. And we mentioned this before. They're going to say defund the police, defund the police, and they may not really think it through. I think right. most movements are like that. But I think yeah. there's some really good arguments for it. And right. actually, defunding the police, there are levels of it. So exactly. now people are saying, get rid of all the police to exactly. accountability, to different exactly. degrees of it. And it is very specific to different police systems. Now, police and systems munici- that are clear mun- <laughs> that police systems that, I mean, police are clear that there are people in their, in their precincts and, in, and nationally that some shit is wrong. Right. Some shit is wrong. And so, therefore, even if they're not the people doing the stuff, it would help them, I think, to gain public trust and to really kind of think, how can we do this better? How, mm-hmm. You know, so that's my take. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, Steve, I, so you and I don't have a beef on that as mm-hmm. far as like what I, of course, I agree with all of that. But one thing that I feel like in when we, when we talk about these types of issues and is that I, I feel like there is sometimes a resistance to um, the potential evolution of these ideas. And, and it's, it happened when we had the Aziz Ansari conversation, you know, like sort of about like cancel culture and stuff like that. (laughs) There, it, it is, it is in fact possible for these very bad ideas to get out of the zoo and to wreak havoc in the world. Agreed. And and if there is a critical mass of people that believe stupid ideas, then stupid results will happen. Now, I do agree with you that historically, there you know you end up getting some like pushback and people you know that have more reasonable responses. Mm-hmm. But if if where where is the major media outlet? Where is the major media production in which reason is safely ensconced and defending itself? Because right now it feels to me like even at the New York Times and the Washington Post and certainly on every broadcast channel I have ever seen, 
reason is not safely ensconced. True. Wisdom is not mm. is not True. have a safe purchase in those places. I know that you're not True. advocating for a certain kind of paternalism, but I still feel like this might be the best way to deal with these things in terms of it being so mm. vast and so and not having one way because it my heart went with you immediately and went, yes, I'd love to look at some place and say, yeah, those ideas, they're insuring freedom, they're, um, they're, they have a certain kind of dispassionate um, belief, and they exercise and say, you know, we are trying to make this for the common good. We're trying to do this. And I honestly think that media, obviously, is just going to go with the money. They're going to go where the money is. <laughs> they're trying to mm. sell you something versus... And the government's not supposed to be that way, but it, it is that way. It is that way. Mm -hmm. It's going to go the way the wind blows. And so we really just need people who are going to advocate for that kind of work, to advocate for those well, type of positions. You well, know? well, you know, well, I, I, two two responses I have to that. Which one, and Seth, you'll take us out, so you'll 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 close. So okay, you, you can you can have the floor. Okay, so two responses. One is I've tweeted this out, and so a lot of times my tweets are. Insignificant, really. But I think that this one has staying power. The profit motive will be written on our tombstone. As a culture, mm. the profit motive. We give up too mm. much to the idea. We give up rationality. We give up wisdom. Yeah. We give up uh, uh, intellectual honesty um, mm, mm. to the profit motive. So that's one. And the second thing I want to say is, uh, and we've made this an answer to other questions before, but I do think it is really, it is one of the answers to, to Travis's question of where is reason ensconced? It's, 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 it's fugitive. It's, it's, it's running scared right now. And this, is, this, this program is one of the places where that happens, this program. So again, this is one of the reasons why I believe in doing this thing. Uh, uh, I believe, not only do I like, but I believe in having these conversations with you both. Uh, Stephen and Travis, you help me make sense of the world. And I think for a growing audience, because there are more people listening to us Thank now than, than were listening to us a year ago, mm -hmm. sure, they sure, realize yeah. too that this is a place where reason and serious thought, oh, wow. mm. serious complicated work is ensconced. And we just need to do more of this. Um, cool. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that summation. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Um, so as always, thank you for the conversation, Stephen. So, awesome. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, talk to you guys soon. Peace. Take care. Soon.